Bringing new technological capabilities into the fold isn't just a case of set it and forget it for banks. Because the truth is that the industry, the customers, and the technology never remain stationary. Consumers' needs change, technologies evolve, and industries adapt. So the digital implementations banks employ need to be maintained and ready to take on whatever challenge is thrown at them. I think that institutions that really approach this in an older mindset of this is just another application that we have to get up and off the ground and then we can sit back really aren't, aren't going to succeed at the end of the day. They have to prepare their organizations, the muscle memory, the maturity, the digital competencies to actually uh, continue to support and promote that product. And this capability has never been more important than now where digital is at the core of every user experience and where change can happen in an instant. With the rise of digital and this idea that we're continually driving new customer experiences, new capabilities, having to respond and react, not in, in multi-year terms, but in like month to month, our ability to operate that way, you know, on top of these new digital solutions that we're deploying, that the foundational capabilities is, is the, to us the most important part. This is Financial Futures, the podcast that charts the frontiers of fintech innovation. And in this series, we are examining a new generation of intelligent tools that are set to transform key monetary products and services, making them fit for modern financial institutions and their customer. I'm your host, Erin Dangler. And in this season finale, we'll be exploring digital implementation and how banks can set themselves up for success as they move into the post-digital world. We'll find out the secrets to effective digital transformation, and we'll learn about some of the pitfalls to avoid when bringing in new tech capabilities. Joining us in today's show, our Vice President and General Manager for Digital One at FIS, Hector Pajes and Chief Technology Officer at Breakfree Solutions, Bradley Clerken. Now, by this point, we're all familiar with digital banking. And for many of us, it's hard to even imagine what managing our finances was even like pre-digital. So, let's recap. How has digital banking evolved to get us to the stage we're at today? A lot has changed in the past 10 years in the digital banking space. And what I would say is one of the largest things that's changed is the segmentation of the market and what that means, sort of a small institution versus a large institution, uh, and what that implies in terms of how they're approaching their selection of digital banking solutions. And then what I would say is that over the past several years, what you had was really a dichotomy that was either to the lower end of the market, a more multi-tenant solution, which had a, a much you know, clearer out-of-the-box uh, implementation uh, to it for those capabilities. And then at the top end of the market, solutions that really were more sort of a you know, box of APIs where a larger institution could bring their own capabilities, their own team, and, and put those things in. And if there's a shining area of the market, which has you know, predominantly been driven by a lot of consolidation in the market, it's been this emerging sort of the middle, middle class or mid-market. 
probably institutions that range anywhere from 10 billion all the way up to, you know, 150, 200 billion dollars in assets. And what those institutions are looking for is really a combination of value and scale that they were receiving before in more of a multi-tenancy environment, but also at the same time, the flexibility and configurability that they would expect from a larger end solution. And that's really having profound effects on both the providers in the market and the types of solutions that they can offer to, to meet those institutions where they want to be, and also profound effects on the way that those implementations are being run. Bradley, do you want to add anything to that? I think that the required set of digital, just how we engage with our customer and our customer experience across the board, has that line has risen universally for all banks. And I, and I think that that's one of the biggest things that's happened in, in the last 10 years is just that when you go to a bank as a customer, what you're expecting from an experience perspective has uh, really created some very drastic technology challenges and operating challenges for banks of all sizes. Whether you're a, you know, a very large bank, how you're going to address these problems is going to be drastically different than you know, a, a, sm- a smaller size bank. Yet the customer you know, expectation is, is the same. And I think that that's such a unique kind of situation. So I want to talk about some terms we're going to probably talk a lot about as we go into this, but I want to dovetail on something or piggyback on something you just said. You talked about the implementation, especially for smaller and medium-sized institutions. So what are some of the hurdles to implementing these things? The majority of these hurdles can happen anywhere from front to back of how these implementations go. How these implementations are started and how those implementations operate really set the tone, I think, both for overall success of going to production and honestly a lot of the relationship between institution and provider. So some of the pitfalls in those implementations is upfront setting expectations and alignment between the institution and the provider in terms of their approach and framework to the implementation, whether that be the way that they do upfront uh, design, configuration, testing, the roles of that implementation along the way, through to the different stage gates in the overall implementation and which side, provider versus institution, are going to end up doing more of the heavy lifting. And then ultimately the handoff. When you get to the implementation and you're going through the production readiness and you're starting to talk about getting to BAU, helping that institution, that institution knowing what it's really going to take to stabilize, sustain, and then promote change into that application and that environment is incredibly important these days. And, you know, again, we're moving from more institutions who are used to offloading all those responsibilities to a single provider to uh, institutions that have to really take a lot more accountability and ownership of those steps through the process uh, has really changed over these few years uh, and, and means the difference between, you know, ultimately success and failure in these types of programs. Brad, do you want to add to that? I think when we look at these implementations, for us, it's a a big focus on what happens after the fact, right? Even in that 10-year theme, if you're talking 11, 15, 20 years ago, the idea would be is the implementation is everything, right? We get this solution in-house, we turn it on, we get to business as usual, and, you know, outcome achieved. And now, with the rise of digital and this idea that we're continually driving new customer experiences, new capabilities, having to respond and react not in in multi-year terms, but in like month to month. Our ability to operate that way 
you know, on top of these new digital solutions that we're deploying, that the foundational capabilities is to us the most important part, right? So the the more you spend on implementation and the and the rougher that goes and the less you focus on what happens afterwards, that's one of the the, the biggest challenges that, that we're dealing with. And so what we want banks to really focus on is this isn't a start the implementation and then once that's complete, digital transformation done, right? It's okay, now we have the tools and capabilities and foundational pieces in place to be able to be a digital bank. What does that mean? And a consistent focus on that is is the most important piece from our perspective on, on success. Now as it comes into the question I really want to ask is defining these terms pre-digital and post-digital. Because Bradley, what I hear you saying is it sounds a little bit like with the implementation, it's like we're applying this technology to what we already have versus rethinking the industry or rebuilding. Is that correct? You know, line in the sand is almost too wishy-washy of a term. It's a profound moment, right, where you go from, okay, Technology has been something that is really supporting our business processes to this kind of demark point where you, you realize that now technology is actually a channel in its own right for enabling new business and that it's not about just supporting business process. It's about actually driving new profits, deposits, new business channels, etc. And once you get to that line, you realize that your capabilities, whether it's in you know where we focus on in the technology group or in, on more of your business side, that those capabilities to support those new channels of business aren't there today. And we need to institute that, right? And, and that's a huge change in how we're going to operate, how we're going to engage, what that means for how we did work to how we will work, our customer experience, right? There really is this, okay, we're a digital bank, right? Like we, we need to do this. And that line, once you cross it, there's really no going back, right? You, you need to go all in because it, it's just not possible to go back. And so that's really why we talk about that DMARC point between pre-digital and post-digital and why it's such a huge step for banks to take. Yeah, and they'll, there will be a time when we won't know what pre-digital was <laughs> at some point. I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That does, it sounds like a science fiction movie. Hector, anything to add? It's interesting because, you know, in our, in our space, we meet many different types of institutions. And I think if you think about a sort of a pre-digital bank, sometimes they might approach the product and look at digital banking as, hey, this is a tool that's going to help me deliver, you know, statements to a customer and their transactions and, 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 and treat it as a very transactional tool. And what you'll see, though, is that digital banking has really changed a lot over the past few years, and it needs constant change and upkeep. Today, when you think about what a modern digital solution looks like, you have many third-party integrations you're using for many capabilities. You have data that's been lifted, that's been put into the cloud. You have real-time transactions, real-time data flowing in. There's constant change that's being pushed to your digital banking platform on top of the fact that because of the competitive set and the larger institutions constantly maintaining, personalizing uh, their digital experiences, that's forcing smaller institutions to compete as well. And so I think that institutions that really approach this in an older mindset of this is just another application that we have to get up and off the ground and then we can sit back really aren't, aren't going to succeed at the end of the day. They have to prepare their organizations, the muscle memory, the maturity, the digital competencies to actually uh, continue to support and promote that product. So with this 
implementation, this sort of rebuilding, rethinking, instead of just laying these APIs on top, where does the implementation commonly go wrong? One of the biggest issues around implementations going wrong is really in the upfront, in the institution not having alignment or set expectations with how the provider is actually going to do that implementation. Every provider does those implementations differently. Some are waterfall, some are very agile, some are going to let you make a lot of changes to the stories and configurations, some aren't, some are going to keep you directly into a box. Some of them are going to really take accountability for end-to-end testing and performance testing and security testing. Others are just going to push that back on you. Some may have a lot of experience with uh, U.S.-based regulations. Others may not, uh, may be more global in nature in terms of their, their technology and their configurations. Having a lot of that understood before you get into bed with a provider and how much of that implementation they're going to run versus expect you to do can save you six to nine months on the front end of it and give you a lot better probability that you'll come in on budget and on time. And often I see where these fail is where you have an institution come in who's used to their last implementation they did with another provider, bringing the same sort of rules and framework to this implementation, and then three to six months after starting being like, "Uh uh-oh, we gotta start over. We gotta reset expectations here. That's one of the biggest biggest pitfalls, to be honest with you. Going digital isn't just a simple case of calling in the experts to outfit your bank with a brand new suite of tools. It's a collaborative, holistic process that requires strong communication from start to finish and necessitates that the banks get involved too. That is, if they want to make a success of it. But there's more to an effective implementation than communication and effort. Having a a concrete plan for how and what you need to actually have in place from a capabilities perspective within both technology and and business, I think I think is number one, kind of knowing what the common end state is from whether it's capabilities, capacity, et cetera, process, I think is a big one. They need cloud native, right? So when they're going to be building these awesome things, these things need to be built on the cloud. But how we build on cloud is super important. And how we integrate with solutions, how we treat those solutions as tier one citizens in our platforms and how we build, um, all very important to get figured out. We need agile work management, right? We need the ability to engage with business stakeholders in a different way. How do we retool how our people are organized, right? If we're gonna constantly be building these solutions, we can't be all in our own sandboxes, right? So the coming together of the sandbox and playing together with with the same set of toys is this idea of cross-functional teams, right? We need to figure out digital security. We actually have to have these answers in place in a way that doesn't slow down or limit the outcomes and benefits that you know we started on this whole journey for. We need to figure out our digital talent. So we have to go and say, okay, we're putting these folks in new teams. We're giving them new you know, ways of working. They're building stuff on cloud. That's all great, right? We're going to release the Pandora's box of digital stuff that we've got to create and build and support and operate. That's going to require people. You see the big banks, what are they doing? They're going out recruiting technical staff, trying to get folks in-house. And 
what we're realizing now is that that is a finite pool of folks that already know this stuff. And we've got to have the mechanisms internally to build these capable digital leaders who can drive those things. We've got to support their education and knowledge and bringing folks from legacy roles. How do they give them new skills? And then the last thing, and maybe we've got to have new technology management, right? So in the technology space, 95% of what we do is execute processes to manage technology assets, right? And we do that in in a way that is not aligned with digital. And we've got to reimagine all that stuff. And that's where this term DevOps comes in, right? So if you look across, you know, those kind of six elements and you know what those are from the get-go and you hyper-focus on that, you're going to find a lot of success. So after these are implemented, Where do institutions get the most value? Let's talk about what do they benefit from? I would say that the question about what is the value post-implementation, it really depends on who the user is, right, in that situation. Uh, First, it starts with the bank as the user. The reason they're investing millions of dollars into these implementations is to fund a business case, right? And that business case usually top-down is to enable the institution to either continue to grow inorganically or organically, right? They may be excited about replacing all of their branch software so that they can make the next acquisition and not have to revert the new institution back to an older legacy software that just would be unacceptable. If the user is the bankers themselves, right? It may be uh, modernizing their software so that those bankers either in call center or in branch can do their jobs better, get trained quicker, retain them longer because it's very, very expensive. There's a lot of turnover right now in retail banking for those banker associates. It's very expensive, these institutions, so it could be improving their lives. And then for the end customer, whether a you know retail or business user, right, it's maybe helping those business users to monitor their cash flow you know, in one place uh, and make them more secure about their business and know that they have the lending facilities that they need and, and cash on hand to operate their businesses. And for the consumers, it may be, you know, the ability to use tools like personal financial management or see all their held away accounts in one place and see their entire financial picture in one place and make their financial lives simpler. Often, just to come back to the topic of implementation, I think that both the the post-implementation and pre-implementation need to be thought about equally. I think often a lot of institutions get so caught up in the, hey, wait till we crack open this business case that if you don't focus on the implementation, and I've seen this many times before, you institutions sign up with one well-known partner in the space, they get the implementation wrong, they dump it. And millions of dollars are put down the drain. They go to another one, they get it wrong, they dump it until they go to the third partner and they finally get it right. They never would have realized that business case to begin with unless they get the start accurate. But yes, those, those are the different sort of value props, right? I, I sort of think about it in terms of like who that you know, target user is. Uh, and often it's something to check. You're doing it to check all three of those boxes at the end of the day. And I think that the the other benefit of this whole thing, not just the implementation of something like Digital One, but everything we've talked about, like digitally transforming, right? And and being digitally capable. You know, I I don't think anyone saw that like bank transfers was going to be the feature that we needed to like either turn off or turn on, you know, three months ago, right? And if we're operating in an old way, got to get a project request. I got to talk to my vendor. I got to see if we can do this. In the new world, it's, hey, that's the top feature set. You know, it'll be deployed in under two weeks. It's, or, or it may be emergency in a day, in an hour, right? So this ability to react to whatever the 
like underlying demand is uh, from the business, from our reaction to the marketplace, you know, that's the ultimate benefit here, right, is, you know, the ability to build and react whenever uh, with, with the fact that everything is, you know, the, is changing at a faster clip than we could ever imagine. So can you talk about a case study? Like, let's put this into practical application. Can you talk about a client that did this implementation and how it helped them? What was their problem? What did they need to transform? We have a kind of a universal story for banks that the mid-sized banks, you know, 40 to, to 200, 150, wherever you put that marker, right? So when we're engaged with those kind of customers, what they're coming to us and, and saying is we had some kind of compelling event, right? It could be this realization of pre-post-digital. Maybe they realize it and they hired a digital officer, right? And the technology officer or the CIO is saying, holy cow, like I don't have these capabilities. This this individual is asking me to do all these things. So if we look at the underlying challenges from the technology organizations is the businesses come to this realization that they need a digital channel. So we'll come in and say, okay, here's what an operating model looks like of a, of a modern digital bank. Here are the capabilities that you need to get good at. Now let's actually go respond to that compelling event. And I think that this is, for us, what we always try to highlight with customer stories is, yes, we should do our expectation setting up front, but we can't delay a year, two years, et cetera, because you know, we don't have all these capabilities in place. So in a sense, you're building the plane as it's flying. This is where you know, we actually see the success of a, a fully embracing cross-functionality, agile, cloud, DevOps, all these pieces for whatever reason. And, and it's probably something you know, WebScale did on accident. A lot of this ability to transform as we go is, is sort of built in, right? We, we team together, we work together, we solve challenges together, we partner with the business. Everything that would be required basically to respond to a situation where we have to you know, instantly change how we operate seems to be kind of built into the majority of these frameworks. And so with our customers, we'll help them within, let's say, you know, typically within two months across the groups who are going to be involved in digital transformation in the technology organization and to a certain extent their business sponsors understand the capabilities they need to get good at. Then we actually look at that compelling event, right? And we go in and, and really execute that initiative with these core capabilities in a player coach model. And I think that whether you're going to engage with a partner to do this or you're going to go out and do it yourself, you find these player coaches who have been there, who have done this. You put them on your teams who are engaged in these first kind of digital transformation initiatives, and they go take on these implementation projects and then prepare with your business for post-implementation, right? And so whether it's you know the $40 billion bank where we did this or the, the $200 billion bank where we did this, this kind of universal approach to say, Let's not dwell on the operating model that's been solved. Let's respond to the compelling digital event that we have in front of us because no bank is in a position right now where that's not happening, right? No, I've never met one, right? And let's like effectively build the plane as we fly in a player coach-like model, right? Embracing these capabilities and then never losing sight of the end game, right, which is to be able to build, react, and respond continuously and operate like this for the long haul. And so once the implementation expert, facilitator, what have you, has finished their job, where does that leave the bank or financial institution? It's kind of an interesting situation for us because we have engagements. We have, you know, kind of start-stops, 
folks know when they're going to engage with a break free and when our contract's done and when we're heading out the door. And our customers are kind of like, okay, yeah, I, I'm, I'm good. I know how to do this. Like, we don't need you anymore. Right. And for us, that's the ultimate kind of case study end study is like everyone understood the end because they were doing it on their own. Right. They, they were able to successfully retain and build digital talent. They could broadly execute, you know, high velocity processes across security and technology management. Right. They were building cool stuff on the cloud. Uh, you know, I know it sounds really simple, but that's what we want to do. They've utilized effective partners that have solutions that have the solid set of features that they don't want to rebuild on their own, right? That they want to build on top of. And they've got those things implemented and they're ready to rapidly integrate new ones as they come out, right? And they're just sitting there operating and executing and they say, okay, we're good. We know what to do. And for us, you know, that's that's the kind of life cycle we want in these initiatives. And every time we see that, you know, the business benefit is those business cases that Hector talked about. It's not something in technology. It's not something about cost savings or, or whatever. It's, it's so, you know, away from what technology is used to in terms of how they justify things that um, because it's more of a state of operating, the end state is really just the beginning. And I know that sounds kind of like hippy dippy, if you will, but that's, that's the reality of it, you know, and they say, Hey, thank you. We appreciate you guys. We're good. You know, we got this and we, we smile the whole time. We love it. The player coach model of digital implementation sets banks up for success from day one. At the start of implementation, they articulate their goals. Then throughout the process, the banks are encouraged to contribute and play an active role in the onboarding, all while readying themselves with the help of that six-point checklist. All this means that by the time the implementation experts are ready to hand the keys back, so to speak, banks are ready to hit the ground running. So, what other advice do the experts have for banks wanting to start their digital implementation journey? I would say that it is about we and not you. And I think sort of three key principles or values, I would say, of an institution that does well with their implementations, they partner, they're accountable, and they problem solve. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate that as a large provider doing, you know, pretty sizable implementations for large financial institutions, how, how valuable that is in the process. There's a difference between saying, hey, you guys are going to do this and you just do it all turnkey and show us when it's done and we'll, we'll have some people attend some meetings versus someone who's looking for partners that are going to help that process go more smoothly, folks who have an equal amount of accountability in the implementation and solve those problems when things uh, pop up. One institution, just to give you uh, a quick example, it's one of the, the best implementations I've seen. It's actually one of the top three credit unions here in the U.S. who was installing our branch modernization software for tellers. It had an external core, uh, you know, were hosting in a um, you know, private-public cloud, had their own orchestration layer. On paper, almost seemingly uh, like it would be extremely complex or, or take uh, exceedingly long. But they leaned in. They seeded in some of their own project management team with ours. Uh, when we did grooming sessions, they had all the right business stakeholders there at the right time from the right functions to put their inputs in, into what was needed functionally uh, and technically and took a lot of accountability in the end-to-end -end testing process and helped map that out, knew where that was going to start, where it was going to stop, which aspects of testing they were going to do 
and then had a very solid rollout plan across their branches. That project was on time, on budget, and the client was very happy. We were very happy and honestly helped, helped improve ways that we've approached and shared that as a case study across other implementations that we've done. If we have clients that come to us and say, we just want you to do all this turnkey and you, you have to do every single aspect of it, we'll do those because we have a model for that. But by far and above the institutions that come with experience and partner and are accountable and help problem solve, we'll always win in these implementations. Hector Pajes is Vice President and General Manager for Digital One at FIS, and Bradley Clerken is Chief Technology Officer at Breakfree Solutions. That's it for today's show. Thanks for joining us for this season of Financial Futures, a production of Lower Street Media in collaboration with FIS. This season has been produced by Ryan Sutton. Ben Cranell is our audio editor and sound designer. I'm your host, Erin Dangler. If you've enjoyed this season, please remember to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app. And stay tuned, a brand new season of Financial Futures is coming soon. <laughs>